0: Twelve days before the Sooners' season opener, Lincoln Riley still had not decided on a starting quarterback when Oklahoma faces Florida Atlantic on September the 1st. Back in August of 2015, Riley was in the midst of his first fall camp with the Sooners. Trevor Knight, Cody Thomas, and Baker Mayfield were all vying for the starting quarterback job. In twelve days before the Sooners' season opener, Riley named Mayfield the starter, and the rest is history. Since Riley took over as East Carolina's offensive coordinator in 2010, he's been a part of now four preseason quarterback competitions. His first came in his first year with the Pirates, the battle between Dominique Davis and Brad Warnick, a couple of household names around Oklahoma City, I'm sure, and Oklahoma. Uh, Those two guys, it came down to the wire. And finally, Davis was named the starter the week of ECU's first game against Tulsa. Davis then started for two years. And then during fall camp of 2012, Riley found himself in the middle of another quarterback quandary. It was Shane Cardin versus Rio Johnson. This ended up being another tight battle, and just like the first quarterback competition Riley oversaw, this competition ended as the Pirates got to game week. Johnson won the job, and then Cardin took over a few games into the season and played very well for the next three years. Based on Riley's prior experience, it would seem like we're not going to get a ruling on Oklahoma's starting quarterback until next week. After all, Riley's made it crystal clear that this is a real battle and that it's close. On Monday, Riley even said he's not concerned that neither Kyler nor Austin Kendall has separated himself from one another because they're both playing so well. Like I've said many times before on this podcast, I think Riley is telling us the truth when he says this competition is real. Although many people have assumed for months that Murray will start for the Sooners, just read or watch anything in the national media, and Murray is always described as the heir apparent to Baker Mayfield, it's even more clear to me that this is a battle. you know what? I'm even starting to believe there's a real chance that Austin Kendall can win this battle. I'm Lee Benson. This is West of Everest. (laughs) Third goal from the seven for Landry Jones of the Sooners. Pocket holds up, back of the end zone, touchdown. Brandon Caleb. A highlight from probably Brandon Caleb's best game as a Sooner welcomes us into this edition of West of Everest. Caleb had not one but two touchdown grabs back on September 19th, 2009, as Oklahoma shut out Tulsa 45-0. That actually might be Landry Jones' most memorable game in his career because uh, he set an Oklahoma record that day throwing for six touchdown passes. Um, And Caleb, uh, Brandon Caleb, by the way, caught five balls for 104 yards. And two scores in that Sooners victory. Uh, now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure Grant and I, I know I was. I think I was at that game. I don't know if Grant was at that game, but I think I was definitely at that game now that I think about it. And I didn't quite remember until uh, <laughs> until right now. So uh, anyways, saw Brandon Caleb's best game as a Sooner. Probably Landry Jones' best game considering that he was uh, brand new filling in for Sam Bradford. And then he uh, set a record for six touchdown passes in a game. Hey, everyone. Again, I'm Lee Benson. This show was, like I've said before, this Facebook live and this podcast gonna be a bit different than all of our other shows, because for the first time, it's just me today. Grant got married over the weekend. He's in Europe on his honeymoon. Not sure where he is at the moment. But I do know that he was in London the last time I talked to him earlier this morning. Uh, They're going to five different countries, I believe. Sounds like a pretty awesome time. Two weeks of vacation. Basically, Grant gets to pass the time before college football season, be, uh, before it gets here. He's on vacation, and all of us are going to be back here in the States just kind of watching the clock slowly count down to, uh, to the season. And uh, again, if you're listening to this podcast after the Facebook Live account, we're doing this live on Facebook, and Grant did just chime in on Facebook Live. He is in London still. So this is kind of the benefit to doing it this way. For the first time ever, we're able to do a Facebook Live into the meat portion of the podcast, into the the meat and potatoes portion. So a little bit different if you're listening at home and weren't weren't on the Facebook Live. Uh, Maybe a bit of a a perk if you are on Facebook. It might sound a little different today, but uh, we're working through it, and uh, it's going to be fun. So as Grant uh, made it clear on the Facebook Live, uh, he says that he's in London. He's out today. Uh, but him and I, uh, we did record our big season preview podcast the morning of his wedding. And uh, that show will be released this upcoming Monday, August 27th, which means, yes, we are soon going back to two shows per week. Two shows per week. Uh, I still haven't decided which day we'll release the big FAU game preview next week. It'll be either Wednesday or Thursday. I'd say most likely on, uh, on Thursday. And, uh, again, to those, uh, not again, but for the first time, those on Facebook Live, if you're just joining us, you're watching us, this is a little different. Do you have any questions for me? Throw them out there, comments. I'll try to get to them uh, when I can. I have uh, a couple bullet points on the show to hit on, and um, we do have some questions from earlier uh, in the day when I asked on Facebook for questions, so we'll get to those later in the show. All right, so as you all have uh, noticed and uh, seen so far, heard so far, this gives me a chance, with Grant gone, to... Be a uh, solo podcast host. So I get to audition and uh, we'll see, let's see if it goes well. So far I feel pretty good about it. Uh, I put a little more time into this show, a little more prep time knowing Grant's been out or is going to be out. So I've got some audio clips to play today, mostly from Lincoln Riley. Uh, got him talking about the quarterbacks, of course. Also the defensive notes from Oklahoma's final camp scrimmage, which was last Saturday. And we've also got some sound from Riley and a couple of the players talking about true freshman Drake Stoops. And a quick side note, in our big season preview, which you'll be able to listen to next week on Monday, I dropped Stoops' name. And this is all before the stuff that we'll hear from Lincoln, Riley & Company later on in the show. And it seems like it's all positive surrounding Drake Stoops. Quickly, though, I want to personally thank the listener who left us our most recent review on iTunes. You spent some time to write some really nice stuff, even provided a little constructive criticism, which I appreciate. I do, big time. I know Grant does too. And let me just say, this listener advised us to bring a little more humor to the show, which I would love to do, but the problem is, for me, I'm just not a very funny person. Grant can attest to that. Uh, Grant, he can be funny sometimes, but I think that he and I, we worry a little too much about... about uh, sticking on point and not getting too off topic and perhaps that's why it's a little more uh, serious than maybe we'd like it to be Um, I'd like to be more funny it's a great note we'll try to loosen up a bit perhaps uh, things will get a little more lighthearted as the season gets going and Grant and I will decide to rip on random teams and players that uh, we see fit and if, uh, if you got a moment and you want to leave a review like that one or any other kind of review or rating on iTunes, please go ahead and do so. We're up to 28 ratings now on iTunes, all of them of the five-star variety. It means a bunch to both of us, and we thank you all so much for the support. All right, so let's get into this thing. Let me get my uh, phone ready to play some Lincoln Riley sound bites because they are coming up here pretty soon. And we start with Lincoln Riley. We start with the quarterback competition. And as we know of Monday... There's still no word, no uh, decision has been made. And Riley has said that, quote, it's definitely been one of the closest competitions that he can remember. So I guess that's not a quote. That's just him saying it. Uh, Riley did go on to say, it's tough to say who's one and who's two right now. And it's worth noting that I did uh, a little bit of research, and, and I think Riley did mention this too, so I didn't have to look it up, that the 2012 battle at East Carolina that I mentioned in the opening take, uh, also was close and also went down to the wire in that one. So uh, it was weird because they ended up making, in theory, the wrong decision because Johnson was picked as the starter, and then Shane Carden came in a few games into the season had a great year. So just maybe not even matter, but just throwing that out there. So uh, I think it's a good time for me to kind of go over my Lincoln-Riley theory. So Grant's gone. I've gone over it a couple times. Might as well just lay it all out there for those of you who have not heard it or are new to the podcast. My theory is this, as far as Lincoln Riley and the starting quarterbacks go. I think he's legitimately wrestling, Lincoln Riley is, with the decision at starting quarterback because I think he sees enough instances in practice, and this is just uh, my opinion. I have no inside information. A little bit of info here and there just that's not inside necessarily, but from practice notes and things from other organizations. I think Riley in practice is seeing enough instances – Uh, going back to the spring game and spring practice as well, where Austin Kendall just does the things that Riley wants to see from a quarterback in his system. And that's not to say that Kyler Murray does not also do a lot of these things. I'm sure he does as well. That's why it's so close. And you think, okay, what does Lincoln Riley want from his quarterback in this system? And I have a, a I have four bullet points of what I think Lincoln Riley wants out of his quarterback. One, because it's, uh, uh, these are things that he has said, and also some things that Baker Mayfield has said. One, he wants his quarterback to be able to throw from the pocket. Simple enough, right? He wants his quarterback to be able to go through his progressions, uh, which means you're not giving up on the play too early, deliver a catchable football, get the football out of your, your hand quickly, and the ability to assess the defense pre-snap which goes to the mental side of the game of football. And these are all attributes that Baker Mayfield obviously has. We've seen it for three years. We've seen it now a couple games in the preseason. He's played pretty well for the Browns so far. And, again, these are things that we've heard Mayfield say over and over again when he's been asked questions about his transition to the NFL and kind of what he's looking to do. So back at Big 12 football media days, Riley mentioned that he tends to look for the mental strength in his quarterbacks, a little more so than all the physical stuff. And at this point, it wouldn't surprise me if Austin Kendall is better than Murray in that aspect. And that's kind of why this has been such a a tight battle. Or they're just really close. They're both really good at it. But something tells me it's Kendall because we all assume that Murray's the guy. Uh, And here's an example. Word from the final scrimmage this past Saturday. And this is according to James Hale, who's contributing over at the Brainiacs now. His source said that despite both quarterbacks not generating much against the defense on Saturday, that he'd have to give the edge to Austin Kendall because of his patience. He didn't try to force anything. He took care of the football and took what the defense gave him. And to be fair, it is worth mentioning that there was another note in that write-up from the Brainiac saying from another source that they'd give the day to Kyler Murray, actually, because of Murray's ability to take off, and that attribute is limited in these scrimmages because of that touch rule. You can't hit the quarterback, so once they touch Murray, he's down. So therefore, if he tries to scramble or anything like that, it doesn't doesn't really help him because he gets sacked. Now, I think using that as an excuse or reasoning, now granted, I didn't see the scrimmage, so maybe it's it's true, and there's a lot of chances where, uh, where Murray would have easily gotten away and, and made a big play, and the rule prevented him from doing that. But if we're thinking about the spring game and there was times where, yeah, it looked like, oh, he could have gotten away and they blew him down. Sure. But there's also times where he would have probably been hit and sacked, too, and they were allowed to touch him. So I think that's kind of a a, it's a naive way to assess Murray by by just assuming that, oh, because of the touch rule, that's that's why he actually is better. Because he because he would have gotten away. He would have gotten away from that rush. He would not have been tackled. A big play would have happened. We don't know that. And I think it's kind of naive to. To make your assessment based off of that you, you can it's fair but I don't think you're taking it in the whole picture and here's my thought process behind that because Kyler Murray's going to make plays with his feet he's going to electrify the crowd there's no doubt about that but good defenses figure out how to limit a quarterback who likes to make plays with his feet and there will be games where it doesn't matter that Kyler runs like a, a four flat 40 or whatever he runs which doesn't run that fast but you get my point uh, he's going to be able or going to have to be able to stand in the pocket, go read to read, and make a throw. And sometimes he'll need to navigate the pocket or he'll need to climb the pocket and make room for himself to throw the football. And he needs to be disciplined enough to not run, to not take off, stand in, deliver the football to C. D. Lamb because that's going to be a better play in the grand scheme of things. Baker Mayfield did that all the time. Whenever he needed to run, he did. Whenever he needed to get a first down on a third and short and he realized, okay, you know what, it's more important to move the chains here. I'm going to run and pick up this first down. We saw it twice in his preseason debut with the Jets where he was able to get a fourth down conversion with his legs and a third down conversion with his legs. He'll do it. But a lot of the times, it's important to stick in that pocket, go through your progressions and make a play within the concept of the play. And that's what I'm... Concerned about with Kyler Murray because whenever you have such a gift like he has with his legs, you're gonna to want to use them, and we've seen it time in and time out in football throughout over the years that when quarterbacks want to run or have these these great God-given gifts like the ability to run run the football, and they're gonna to want to default to that before they want to throw it. I mean, we're seeing it right now uh, with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore through the preseason. I mean. Watching him in college, electrifying player, one read guy, if it's not there, he really wanted to run. He liked to use his legs. And you look at his rushing stats in college, he ran the ball a ton, a ton. And and you're seeing it right now in the pros. I mean, if it's not there, he wants to run. And he looks like a deer in the headlights sometimes. He looks way over his head. And so that's why, I mean, he's having a difficult time transitioning to the NFL. So uh, something tells me that Austin Kendall – is doing enough of all of that, all of the, the, the mental side of it, hanging in the pocket, stepping up, making a throw, uh, and maybe not relying on his legs too much, and which is what Riley really wants to see. He's, making, he's doing enough of that to make Riley want to just wait and wait and wait on this competition. And honestly, like I said in the opening take, I'm really beginning to believe that Kendall could win this job. As much as Lincoln Riley loves his players do we really think he's going to put one player over another player? In other words, if Riley truly believes Kendall is the best guy for the job, will Riley just say, nah, Kyler's been here long enough, he's earned the right to start, even if I don't think he's the best fit? I don't know if Riley would do that. And based on his body language and his answers uh, the past week or two, he doesn't want to play two quarterbacks, which I believe that's a good thing. Uh, speaking of Riley and his answers, here he is on his quarterbacks.
1: The play's good enough from both, you know, that I want to keep looking at them. And, and, and in this, this week is a little different because you start to transition more towards opponent prep, uh, you know, not going against your first-team defense the whole time. You start to talk about, you know, all of that. And so I get to see them in a little bit different light here for the next few days, which I feel like is going to be valuable.
0: Now, I apologize to those who are watching on Facebook Live right now. If you could not hear any of that or was muffled from Lincoln Riley, uh, listen to the podcast. You'll be able to hear it crystal clear because in post-production, I put the soundbite in. Uh, basically, Riley was talking about how both quarterbacks are playing so good that he wants to keep looking at them. That's why there hasn't been a decision made. And now game prep is coming up. And uh, he did make one comment in there. Uh, it makes me wonder if he gave a uh, gave a little bit away. Um, Riley mentioned that he gets to see his quarterbacks in a different light the next few days. Perhaps Riley's going to know who his starter is by the end of the week. I mean, the question is, though, will we know? When Riley knows, will we know? Uh, I think the quarterback will probably be announced separately whenever Riley wants that news to get out. As far as the rest of the, of the position battles, I think Oklahoma's going to produce some sort of television show that will announce the depth chart they did something like that last year I can't remember if it was a show or a, a Twitter or social media thing I think it was a show and it had a lot of stuff on social media uh, so you know I expect them to do that again last year and I did look it up uh, the depth chart reveal last season before the UTEP game came just three days before OU kicked off against the Miners so if they keep that uh, if they keep that same schedule we're not going to know a lot of the depth chart until uh, if you're listening to this podcast on the day it's released on Wednesday, one week from today is maybe when we find out the, the depth chart of this team. We'll, we'll see if they stick to the plan like they did last year. Now, uh, having said all of that stuff about Lincoln Riley, Austin Kendall, Kyler Murray, and so on and so forth, all of my theories, I still have not seen or heard enough evidence to make me believe Murray will not start game one. But, man, this this has actually become a pretty interesting story. It really has. Uh, I think best case scenario is that both players are just really good, and Oklahoma is going to be stacked at the QB position uh, for this season and the next couple of years with Austin Kendall. Anyways, what about the other guys in that locker room? Uh, Apparently, it just doesn't matter who plays quarterback. Here's tight end Grant Calcaterra on that
1: whichever one's our qb1 one, then we'll take it and run with it and uh, i mean there'll be there'll be different situations where you know if kyler's our guy we'll go a certain way if ak's our guy we'll go another way but you know
0: it, it's not something that really concerns the rest of the team it's just um figuring out who it's going to be and rolling with it you hear grant calcaterra there the tight end uh, towing the party line basically uh saying that in kind of other words, saying that they're going to tailor the offense to whichever guy wins the job. And that's basically what, Ro- uh, what Lincoln Riley said uh, more than a month ago at, at Media Days. And I think that message has clearly made its way down uh, to the players. And speaking of Grant Calcaterra, uh, Riley was asked about him on Monday. And he, Riley had nice things to say about Calcaterra, as you might expect. The guy's a stud. Uh, we think he's going to be a stud. He played... In limited minutes, limited snaps last year, but he looks the part. He's bigger than uh, than Mark Andrews. I think it might be a little faster too. He just, uh, I think he, he was a it was a more more uh, highly touted recruit, and he's just it was perfect to see Calcaterra. Uh, perfect for Calcaterra to come in at the tail end of Mark Andrews to learn from him because Mark Andrews, Mackey Award winner, great tight end, obviously, and now Calcaterra has a chance to jump out and play that role this year at, at, at Oklahoma so some nice things were said about Calcaterra uh, but also Riley mentioned that the competition has been good between Grant Calcaterra and Lee Morris and you may think well, wait a second Lee Morris Morris isn't a tight end he's a wide receiver well uh, you'd be correct in that assessment and I look back at last year's opening depth chart because I was kind of confused on this but it went like this though it went Mark Andrews Grant Calcaterra and Lee Morris. So Lee Morris is actually third-team Y receiver, which a wide receiver is a tight end. So this is not new for Oklahoma. I mean, Andrews is gone, so they just kind of bumped those two guys up. But at the same time, Lee Morris is not going to line up as an in-line tight end and run block like Andrews did and Calcaterra can do. Uh, Calcaterra is a great talent. He's going to be a player Oklahoma wants to get the football to. Uh, Lee Morris is going to have a role. He had a, a small role last year. But his role this season probably pretty similar, uh, not too big, but uh, apparently he's competing with Grant Calcaterra, and he looks good according to Lincoln Riley. So that's interesting. I was surprised to kind of hear his name brought up, and then I looked back at uh, the previous depth chart, and I thought, oh, okay, well they're consistent. Oklahoma's been consistent. Okay, well I've got more sound to play from Lincoln Riley, uh, particularly about the battle at the center position, and then some very encouraging words about a true freshman walk-on wide receiver. Uh, But if you want to hear those bites and my thoughts on all of that, you'll have to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Uh, You can also download the show on SoundCloud. Episode 62 of West of Everest will be out tomorrow. And uh, once again, beginning next Monday, we'll have two shows per week, which means that the best time of the year is here. So join us. It's going to be a fun season. I promise that, unless Oklahoma has a poor year, in which case it won't be that fun for anybody. In Sooner Nation uh, it was great in 2017 with all the success Oklahoma had we're all hoping for more success this year in year two of Lincoln Riley thanks for watching this special Facebook live edition of West of Everest we appreciate the support all right well thanks for bearing with us uh, everybody who's listening and watching on Facebook live and those who are downloading the podcast and listening normally we are done with that we are back to the normal portion of the show that was an interesting experiment. We'll see if we do any more of that stuff. It's difficult, though, because Grant and I are normally in different locations. And, and with this being uh, a scenario where I'm here by myself, I uh, decided to roll the dice and, and go ahead and try that out. So anyways, back to more Oklahoma offensive discussion. Let's talk about the center battle. And this is Lincoln Riley on Monday describing the position battle between Jonathan Alvarez and Creed Humphrey.
1: A well, I like the quarterback battle, you know, it's, uh, man, these guys are playing well, they're grading out very similar. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a deal where we can go in the season and play both and feel like we can be good enough to win and play at the level we want to play up front. Uh, where is it going to go in the end? You know, we're, we're going to play it out. You know, I don't feel like we're... Close to announcing one there. I feel like we're going to play it out, let those guys rep a bunch. You know, center's a position. you got to take a bunch of reps, but you're not also going to sit there and give an offensive lineman 100 reps during a practice. So they would both rep anyway, even if we had already named one the starter. So we feel like we can get them both ready right Could
0: now. So that's Lincoln Riley on the center position battle. And this is the second time that he's been just giddy about talking, uh, g- giddy about the centers, I should say. Uh, if obviously this is a podcast, so you couldn't see him when Riley was asked about those centers, he like smiles and he's like, man, it's it's great. And, and it's really good. I mean, last week, he called it the best competition in fall camp. Are both of these players just really good? I mean, that's my question. My question is, why is Lincoln Riley so happy about these uh, these two players? And I'd like to like to hope that's why. Or is it one of those things where he knows they're both pretty good and he's smiling and he's happy because he's got good depth on the offensive line? I've been saying since the beginning that I think Jonathan Alvarez is going to win the job. I'm basing it solely off of uh, experience. And uh, it sounds like in camp, the from what I've heard, I think what Lincoln Riley has said publicly is that the, there's a lot of experience there from Alvarez. Creed's a little more talented. It's just Alvarez can... It's a lot more comfortable. And I remember talking to Jonathan Alvarez a week and a half, two weeks ago, and, and he was uh, very upfront and said, hey, both players are helping each other out. They're, they're trying to make each other better. And it sounds like whoever wins the job will have certainly earned it. And much like the quarterback position, I think Oklahoma is going to be in good hands because I think who, the, both players competing for the job are good, are, are, are solid players that can fill in. Uh, and and help Oklahoma win football games. Uh, Another question to to pose, and it's worth thinking about, although I don't have an answer to it really, is will the starting quarterback announcement correspond with the starting center announcement? I don't have a clue, but it kind of seemed like in that soundbite we heard from Riley that he might be open to playing both guys. And I know he doesn't want to play both quarterbacks. He doesn't want to do that. That never ends up well. And I mean... You might, you know, Florida Gator fan might say, oh, well, what about Chris Leak and Tim Tebow in 2006 or whenever that was and they won it all. Well, I mean, that was an interesting situation where Tebow kind of came in short yardage and and that was, that's, that was not a typical two quarterback thing because both quarterbacks, Murray and Kendall, it's not, not like one of them is like Blake Bell where they have the bell dozer package and they have a short yardage thing, which I've never been a big fan of anyways because it kind of tips off to your opponent what you're doing. Uh, another reason why I wasn't a big fan of Dimitri Flowers and the Wildcat a lot of the times last season as well. But that uh, that that's beside the point. Uh, I don't think Riley wants to play two quarterbacks. I, in fact, I I know he doesn't want to play two quarterbacks. He said it's not ideal. But I don't know about the center. I mean, could both players get shots at it? I mean, it's probably up to – I mean, it's not probably – it's up to Lincoln Riley, but I bet Bull Bedenboe has a big say in it too. What do you think? So that's another uh, position battle that uh, – Apparently is really good, and Lincoln Riley's having a great time watching those those sinners duke it out. So next Monday is our big season preview show, as I've said a couple times already on the podcast, and we're going to predict things like leading receiver, leading tackler, leader in sacks. Uh, we actually had a question posed to us before this show on Facebook. Uh, about who's going to lead the the Sooners in sacks, you'll have to wait until next Monday for that answer. We're not going to spoil it here. And plus Grant's got to give his answer and he's not here with me today. So uh, that question will be answered on the season preview podcast. So to the listener who asked that question on Facebook, you'll get your answer on Monday. Uh, also in the big season preview podcast, we'll have big 12 predictions, national predictions, Things like that. Uh, the reason I bring all of this up is, one, to tease it again, uh, but also because Grant and I recorded that big season preview podcast last Friday. And during that show, and this is a bit of a, uh, another, a bit of a teaser to the show, I floated Drake Stoops' name out for one of the categories. I just had a feeling. Just had a feeling in one of the categories to talk about Drake Stoops. Well, on Monday we find out that Stoops has been having a pretty good fall camp. Listen to Lincoln Riley, Marquise Brown, and Grant Calcaterra on the freshman Stoops.
1: He's got a chance. He's got a chance. We've got some experienced guys in there, you know, with, with Miles and... You know, having Bascon back, Michael Jones, Calcaterra, Morris. I mean, we've got some experienced guys, but he's a he's a he's a playmaker. He is. He's tough. He's a playmaker. So he's he's got as good a shot as any. Oh, first time I seen him. You know, without the coaches, nobody was here. We was just in the indoor throwing, and I seen him make a one-hand catch, and I was like, oh yeah, he's gonna be good. Drake's had a great. He had a great camp. Uh, it was actually really interesting for me to watch him play. I never. I knew nothing about him. Um, I just knew, who. obviously, he was a Stoops. So, um, yeah, watching him run routes and catch balls, um, he's a great player. And, um, you know, he could probably see himself on the field this, this year at some point.
0: So that's uh, that was Lincoln Riley first and Marquise Brown second, Grant Calcaterra bringing up the rear. So I'll pose this to you all. Knowing what we know about Michael Jones, Miles Tease, Charleston Rambo, A.D. Miller, uh, pretty much all the wide receivers in this Oklahoma program outside of C.D. Lamb and outside of Marquise Brown, would it surprise you if Stoops found a major role in the passing game? It wouldn't surprise me. Stoops, he could have played football and gotten a scholarship at other schools. I mean, not big schools, but I mean, this isn't a scrub walk-on who's just hoping to be to be a part of something bigger than himself, a, a part of OU football. And that's not to say that Oklahoma's going to just take scrubs because this is D1 football. They're not going to just take anybody. Uh, but this isn't your normal walk-on who just – the coaches think, we'll take a shot on him, but we probably don't think he's going to play. Now, Drake Soups came to OU. Uh, he had to have come to this school with the thought process of winning a job, winning a role, a major role. And it obviously helps that he's got that last name. And you know, from what I've heard from one source who's been inside the program, sometimes walk-ons just don't get a real shot to compete for a playing role, you know, even if they may deserve it. Which has got to be frustrating to those guys who walk onto these big schools, work really hard in practice, see themselves as maybe outworking or outplaying another player in their position group that is on scholarship. But since the player is on scholarship, he keeps getting more and more chances to win a job or be a backup or something like that while the walk-on just does not get a legitimate shot to actually go out there and prove himself. That's got to be frustrating because that's not what sports is about. Sports is about playing the best players. Period. And so I've, I've heard that that's a thing that can happen, probably not just in Oklahoma, but at, at every D1 school and not just football because coaches are tied to their scholarship players. I mean, they recruit these kids. you know, They invest in these kids. They want these kids to succeed. So, of course, they're going to they're gonna give them a little more of a chance even if somebody else that just walked on might look a little bit better and might deserve a chance. Uh, that person that has a scholarship is going to get a little longer a bit of rope, if you will. So, uh to be fair though to Lincoln Riley, I got to say on Monday he did talk about all the players who've began seasons since Riley's been at Oklahoma and that's that's all he can go back to. Uh all the players that have began the season with limited roles but then found themselves playing a lot in the games down the line later in the year and a good example that he brought up was Marquise Brown. And a lot of you may not even remember this, and honestly, I do kind of remember now that it's fresh in my mind. But can you all believe, and do you remember that Marquise Brown did not play one snap against Ohio State last season? Didn't play one snap. I mean, that is crazy to think about, considering how talented of a player he ended up being, or is, and the kind of season he ended up having. I mean, that's one game right there. Zero stats. And I believe Marquise had over 1,000 yards. So... I mean, that's a crazy thing to think about. Uh, a player like Rodney Anderson, sure, the, the injuries were uh, you know, what kind of probably kept him back early on. They weren't. They didn't want to just throw him out there. They wanted to ease him in there. Uh, but Anderson was getting limited playing time at the start of the year. Abdul Adams got most of the playing time. Trey Sermon came on in that against, uh, against Ohio State. But Rodney didn't really jump onto the scene until that Texas game. And then the big one was the Kansas State game. And then from there on out best running back in college football so there are examples within the Oklahoma program especially on offense and O'Reilly even brought up like Trey Norwood as well Trey Norwood wasn't playing and then and then um, obviously started a lot uh, the latter half of the year at cornerback for Jordan Thomas and he also brought up Jordan Parker a couple of years ago in 2016 I guess he was on scout team early on in the year then ended up being a big contributor on the defense and unfortunately of course Parker uh, was injured last year in game one so I mean Riley is a coach that It seems like there's a mandate of doesn't matter where these guys are from. They're going to get a shot to play if they're good. So it seems like he wants to give everybody a true chance to play regardless of how they made their way onto the team, which bodes even uh, even better for Drake Stoops. Um, And I will say uh, a News 9 where I work in Oklahoma City a News 9 source uh, has informed me or has informed us that that Stoops has been getting some run with the with the ones in practice. So, I mean, it's not like he's looking good against uh, you know twos and threes. He's getting a chance to play, play with uh, Austin Kendall, Kyler Murray, CeeDee Lamb, Marquis Brown, all the, all the big boys, and it, it sounds like things are going well. Uh, I did see a handful of games from Drake Stoops while he played at Norman North High School back in 2017. He's a nice player. He is. Uh, I mean, he definitely looked like one of, if not the best players on the field when I saw him play. Uh, he made tough grabs, looked like he had sticky fingers. Uh, I'm not surprised that he's made some one-handed grabs. I saw him make a couple at Norman North. I'm sure he made a lot more that I probably just didn't see. Uh, but to me, you know, the competition here in Oklahoma, high school football-wise, I'm just not sure how good it is. So I always kind of uh, – the expectations aren't that high. Uh, sure, Stoops played at the highest level of Oklahoma high school football, which helps. Uh, I could be totally wrong, and I think this is probably why I would not be the best rec- uh, best recruiter at all Uh, i i will also add this grant calcaterra was asked more questions about drake stoops on uh, on monday and calcaterra said that stoops tends to get open when the the players are doing uh, one-on-one one-on-one drills and make tough catches on -on one-on-one in one-on-one drills and calcaterra says that when you do that you're probably going to find yourself on the field at some point during the year Uh, so that's good news uh, Calcaterra with some praise for Drake Stoops uh, real quick to just to, to backpedal uh, on uh, on why I'm not sure if I'd be a great college football recruiter at work. Uh, probably a month ago, uh, I was talking to West of Everest podcast listener, Brett, who was a big fan of the show. We were talking about Spencer Rattler, who I now I, I believe is now a, a, a rivals five star player. Uh, quarterback at a the class of uh, 2019 i believe for oklahoma and uh watched some of his film We like hey, let's punch up spencer rattler let's watch some of his high school tape on huddle and you know all those websites and we watched it and he looked he looked fine he looked good i mean it wasn't like he looked like oh my gosh this guy's amazing uh but he looked like a, a, a nice player he he threw up a couple jump balls where his receivers made plays and he had decent arm but like it wasn't like my goodness, this is one of the best quarterbacks in the nation to me. So now I thought, you know what? Let's uh, let's cleanse the palate and actually check out a guy who I think is considered the best quarterback in his class. That Trevor Lawrence kid. That's not going to be a true freshman this year at Clemson. So we we plugged up his tape from his senior year of high school. And granted, for Spencer Rattler, it was his junior year tape. It wasn't his senior year tape. So I suppose his senior year this year in 2017, he, he is probably going to have a, a, a probably a better year. But uh, anyways, we went back. We 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 watched this Trevor Lawrence guy. Big, tall, uh, looks like a, a pocket passer quarterback. I mean, all the tools you want. Uh, the sizing—he's like six, five, six, six, 230, whatever, two twenty. Looks the part, right? So we're watching Trevor Lawrence, and he looks to me—he he looks basically kind of like Spencer Rattler. Like he's like, yeah, hey, he's a nice player. I I guess. I mean, I guess. But like, if you would have told me going in, uh, or you just said, hey, like where would you rank this guy do you think this is you know i would have said oh i I don't know maybe like a, i'd say he's like a four-star guy because he he looks the part the measurables i would never guess he was the number one quarterback in the nation so i guess you know what that tells me is that when you watch a lot of when you're a a high school or a a college football recruiter you watch a heck of a heck of a lot of tape and you see a lot of quarterback play and guys like trevor lawrence and spencer rattler Whatever I'm so used to watching college quarterback play for the most part, um, I'm used to seeing high-level stuff, and when I see the high school stuff, I'm kind of, okay, it looks okay, whereas the college coaches see that and they know what to look for because they probably see so so many poor to awful high school quarterback prospects that they see a guy like Lawrence and Rattler and, and, and even more and think, man, boom, easy, easy, this guy's a five-star, we want him, so thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, Would not be the best college football recruiter, or else I I would definitely need a lot lot more work in the film room, uh, high school film room. One last note on the Oklahoma offense, and this is actually, I mean, we kind of buried it in the show. I buried it in the show, but this is kind of interesting. Uh, A running back update. Now we got Rodney Anderson, Trey Sermon in stone one and two. But Lincoln Riley made the announcement on Monday that Marcellus Sutton is the number three guy. He said he was comfortable admitting that or announcing that. Uh, So Marcellius Sutton, the number three guy, he said TJ Pledger and Kennedy Brooks are battling for that number four spot. Good for Marcellius Sutton. I don't know how much of this is. is just uh, he's a veteran. He's been in the program uh, longer or at least the same amount as Brooks, I think, because Sutton, he came in last year was his first year. So he's a JUCO guy. But uh, nice to see Sutton going to get that chance, the third back, and in this Oklahoma offense, a third running back will get some touches. We'll get a chance to make plays. We saw it last year. We've seen it before. So I'm I'm happy to hear that Marcellius. Excuse me. I'm happy that Marcellius Sutton has uh, worked his, his way up to being the the number three running back. And I mean, there's there's no way he was going to be ahead of Anderson Sermon. I mean, two guys who could start for a lot of teams in college football. So interesting, uh, little nugget there as well as we finish up the offensive uh, discussion. On to the defense. And here's a couple of the notes from the scrimmage on Saturday out of the mouth of Lincoln Riley. He mentioned that the defense caused two fumbles in the scrimmage. Uh, Jordan Parker forced one of them. The other fumble was picked up by Jordan Kelly and ran in for a touchdown. Riley mentioned that it was uh, a lot of guys who forced that second fumble. He couldn't get a real look at at who it was. It was like a team effort. Uh, Let's listen to Lincoln Riley now from this past Monday, just mentioning a lot of names, a lot of defensive guys, and talking about uh, the scrimmage a little bit.
1: So continue to be happy with our young safeties. You know, I think they, they keep showing up on tape. Um, had a couple of them that were out for minor things, but, you know, DeLaron continues to impress. Uh, I think Khalil Hotton's really had a strong camp. I've been really, really proud of the way, you know, he, he's played like you would expect a senior to play. You know, we have very few of them on that side, so we need those guys to play good. Curtis Bolton continues to play well. Um, a couple guys up front, Isaiah Thomas, I thought, has really stepped up and, and done some nice things. And our front has really been steady. You know, Kenny Mann had a tremendous scrimmage. We had a difficult time blocking him. Um, so yeah, we've there's there's some notable standouts, but I just the depth's better, especially up front. You know, the competition all the way around better. I just I like the I like the mindset of that group right
0: now. So a couple of uh, big-time names were not mentioned there by Lincoln Riley. And you probably know who I'm going to bring up, Kenneth Murray and Caleb Kelly. Uh, Even Curtis Bolton was mentioned, and uh, Bolton, of course, is now famously battling uh, with Kelly for that Will job. Uh, I mean, let's just say this. It'd be a shock if Caleb Kelly and Kenneth Murray don't start. I don't have a lot to say about the linebacking stuff. The linebacker stuff. I mean, it's one of two things. Either Caleb Kelly and Kenneth Murray are are really not the players we thought they were, and they legitimately are being pushed by Curtis Bolden or Buzzy as they call him, and uh, Deshaun White. Or everybody's pretty darn good, and there's some just there's some depth here, and the linebacking spot is uh, really strong. I don't know which one it is. I don't even want to speculate on which one it is. I suppose knowing the way Oklahoma's defense has played recently, uh, it would be foolish to assume that everybody is just really, really good because Oklahoma's linebacking core has not been, not been elite of late, to put it lightly. So let's stick with the defense. And we got some questions from Facebook uh, before the show. And uh, Sydney had quite a bit of questions, and I love the uh, the enthusiasm, man. I really do. Uh, and thanks for the help. I, I asked you all for some help with this show since it is just me with Grant being gone, and I asked for some help to to give me uh, some. You know, what's on your mind? What do you want to talk about? And uh, Sydney came through with a, a lot of good good questions. We're gonna get to most of them. Some of them I skipped over Sydney because either I've already kind of touched on it in the show, or we're gonna talk about it in the uh, season preview show next week so let's start with the secondary and uh, Sydney asked how's the secondary looking the Justin Broyles talk has me very intrigued about him this season especially the fact that he's a trash talker which I think is awesome but the lack of talk about Robert Barnes has me concerned because I thought he was going to be a critical piece of the puzzle on defense is Broyles that good Barnes that bad or both of the guys just average now Uh, It would seem that Broyles is making strides, uh, at least uh, as of last week, both uh, Grant and I were predicting Broyles to win that starting free safety position. We've actually seen some game tape of Robert Barnes uh, in his limited time last year. I don't recall many things jumping out to me. Uh, I think he he did have one interception, but it came, I believe, in the Bedlam game on a Hail Mary. So it wasn't really a big deal. It wasn't like he made a, a big-time play on it. Uh, he had 10 tackles last year in limited time. It's just, with him, that injury history is concerning. And uh, he just hasn't been able to separate clearly in camp, from what we've heard at least. So uh, hopefully all of this just means that the secondary is loaded. And I've said many times that I'm confident in that talent in that position group. Uh, as far as back to Broyles, uh, it's one of those things where, and I've, I've used this theory a lot, the excitement from the unknown is important. And if he's making strides, if he's confident, uh, I want to see a guy out there that has not made any mistakes yet and really thinks he can make a difference, and that's Justin Broyles. And uh, we don't know what his college game looks like because he redshirted last year so it's difficult to make any snap judgments on him because we can't see every snap of practice but uh, we should always assume that the coaches at least for the most part on these 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 secondary position battles they're telling us the truth and what the players are saying are true And we've seen some some of the verbal leadership stuff if you will or at least the talking stuff uh, at practice a couple times when we're allowed to be there so Uh, could be a guy to get excited about. Uh, Also, Delair and Turner Yell continues to get praise from coaches, and I got to mention that Grant will have some thoughts about uh, DTY or whatever you want to call him on next week's big season preview podcast. So, more defensive stuff from Sydney. Sydney says uh, he does mention Delair and Turner Yell. He says Delair and Turner Yell, Ronnie Perkins, Deshaun White, Ron Tatum, Nick Benito. What do you make of them? I know Ronnie Perkins was there early, and I'm certainly expecting to make an impact. But do you think they can help the defense turn the corner this season, or do you think they need time to develop and mature before they make a real impact? Uh, Sidney, let me hit each player individually just with some quick comments and thoughts on each guy. So, uh, DeLaron Turner, yeah. Skeptical of him because, one, he's a true freshman. Uh, Two, I don't know if he can play the pass in the Big 12. However, I am encouraged by all the praise he's getting in camp. That's a good thing. Uh, Perkins, uh, he looks huge in his uniform. Saw him in the spring game. Saw him uh, at practice this fall. He's a big boy for a true freshman. He looks the part. He made some nice plays in the spring game, I thought. Uh, He definitely has a role on this team right away, I believe. I mean, he's going to be a a defensive lineman who is definitely in the two deep. Uh, Deshaun White, not sure yet. Uh, About a week, week and a half ago, he started getting some play as a threat to Kenneth Murray's job. Not so sure i buy that. Uh, didn't watch much, didn't see you know, didn't see any of his high school tape, so I don't have any strong thoughts on that. Whereas I did watch some of DeLaron Turner Yellow's tape, I didn't watch all of his tape. Uh, and I did watch all of Buki's tape and I feel pretty strongly about Buki. And, you know, I again I'm kind of skeptical right now about uh DTY. Uh Tatum, Benito, both those guys, just not, just don't know enough yet. Uh saw Tatum of in High School at Putnam City, big dude, real big boy. I'd like I'd like to think that he can contribute uh right away because calvin thibodeau has talked up the depth excuse me talked to the depth on the defensive line a lot so hopefully uh tatum's included in that depth talk is a player that can actually play. Uh Benito still just don't know enough yet. Um, I think a fair number of these guys can make an impact if they're allowed to. Uh but if Oklahoma plays its it's base, read, react D all year again, I'm just not sure if all this talent can really uh spread their wings. I just I don't know if they're going to be able to if they're just thinking too much and and being asked to catch the offense as opposed to going out there and making plays. So thank you to Sydney for the questions. I know we might have gotten a couple other questions on Facebook. I apologize if I didn't get to them. Hopefully we get to them in our season preview podcast. I know there were some predictions on on um, you know, who's going to have the most sacks, things like that. Uh, a couple more thoughts before we wrap this one up today. Uh, Sydney actually also wanted to ask about the AP poll. Uh, the AP poll, of course, is out. Oklahoma, I believe, is seventh in the AP poll. And also he wanted to ask about the AP preseason uh, All-American teams, first and second teams. So I'll talk about those uh, right now. And, you know, I I wish I could provide super strong thoughts on the uh, AP poll and here's a couple, a couple of background thoughts as well. You know, for the past month, I've been wanting to just dive in, take a day, and just look into all these teams like the Miami, you know, Penn State, Washington, Wisconsin, kind of teams that I'm. I saw a lot last year, but I'm just not sure how I feel about them this season. And I just wanted to kind of dive in, look up, do some research, see how they all stack up this year. But I've just realized one. There's so much information out there that I'm not sure if I'm going to get the best info info anyways, and I'm I'm not sure if it matters all that much at this time. I just want to see these teams play, and I just need to see them play. I watched so much college football last year, saw all the top teams multiple times. I would watch, re-watch games on Mondays because I'm off on Mondays and I'd go through all the top games and I'd go back and watch basically every snap until the game was out of hand. I felt pretty confident about my assessments of each team as the season went on and, and felt even more confident as the weeks went on in the regular season. So what I'm going to do is I'm waiting until after week one to begin collecting all my thoughts and all these rankings. Uh, but I guess just for fun, just my my current thoughts. I guess my biases against certain teams. Just my gut feelings on on a handful of teams. I'll just go run down the list real quick on some of them. I, you know, who knows uh, if this is true or false. Uh, here we go. I'm down on Penn State this year. Penn State's tenth in the AP poll. Uh, Saquon Barkley's gone. Trace McSor is a good player. Not sure if he's good as good as everybody in the media wants you to believe he is. I. Do not buy him as a Heisman contender for one second. I suppose in the theory or in in the sense that Penn State can potentially win the Big Ten and make the playoff, he's a Heisman candidate. But as far as talent goes, no. I don't think he's a Heisman Trophy candidate. And um, just Joe Moorhead being gone. The offensive coordinator being gone I think is going to be a big loss. And I'm just not so sure that I think James Franklin is as elite as a lot of people in the media seem to think he is. I I don't know. I I mean, he's a good coach, obviously. Uh, He was able to win a good amount of games with Vanderbilt one year, which he can hang his hat on that probably for years down the road. Just not overly impressed by the guy. And I can't really quantify it. And I know it kind of sounds hacky because I don't have really good examples of why. And You know, what, maybe as the season progresses, I can try to to gather some some concrete reasons why, or why I'm wrong. Uh, we'll see. But uh, I'm just I'm down on Penn State right now, ranked number ten in the AP poll. I'm also down on Miami. Miami's in the in the eighth spot right now. Uh, I don't think they have a good quarterback. Granted, he's going to be uh, was it Rozier. Uh, he's going to be a year under his belt, but. I think they were very lucky last year. I think they should have lost. Or they ended up losing like two or three games. I think they probably should have been more of like an eight and four, eight and five type team. And they just they played a lot of close games, and their defense bailed them out a lot. And they just they relied way too much on turnovers. And you can't rely on turnovers. They just they're random. Yeah, sure. Some teams are better at at uh, forcing them, them than others. But if you're constantly relying on forcing turnovers, you're going to get burned. So I'm just down on Miami, just based off of last year. Um, I just, I again, just just a feeling on Miami. I top ten team, I don't buy it. Um, I'm skeptical of Auburn. Mainly, I'm not the biggest Jarrett Stidham guy, and that offense is so gimmicky. And we talked about it a lot last year. I'm sure Grant and I will talk about that Auburn offense plenty of times this year. I know their defense is always seemingly good in the in the recent years. I just something about Auburn. I, I don't know. It's kind of the same in a weird way like Miami. Like, I, I'm i not as I'm not down on Auburn. I'm just I'm skeptical. Uh, but again, this is my early thoughts. As I see games, I'll be able to uh, give you more concrete reasons why. Uh, skeptical of Florida State. Florida State's number 19 right now. Uh, Willie Taggart's three games below 500 in his career uh i'm not sure he's a good coach i just am not sure i think they're gonna they're going from a really good coach in jimbo fisher to a guy that i think is probably just a, an okay coach to maybe just an average to below average coach uh deandre francois being healthy will certainly help florida state but uh i mean i guess they're not ranked that high in the top 25 so it seems like the ap is kind of skeptical too so that's not saying a whole lot but man i this team right now, I'd say definitely outside the top 25, maybe more of like a 7-5, and five, maybe at best an 8-win team. I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't see it right now here in, uh, in mid to late August. Uh, everyone knows here I'm, I'm, I'm down on TCU. I think they're way too high at 16, just not buying into the Frogs this year. Although, to be fair, I didn't really buy into TCU last season either. I was dead wrong about that. Uh, Sean Robinson recently was just named their starter. Not sure if he can reliably complete passes. And that's basically my big reason by why I'm down in TCU. I don't think Gary Patterson has a quarterback. And when he hasn't had a quarterback, those are the years where he struggles, even if his defense ends up being good. They can't score points. It doesn't matter. And I'm not sure Sean Robinson is going to be able to score that many points. Uh, I like Michigan State this year. Uh, they're ranked number 11. Uh, I know they have like almost all of their starters back, and that was a team that won, I think, nine or 10 games a season ago. Granted, they did get run by Ohio State in a game where they weren't even competitive, but I believe Michigan State beat Penn State, and that weird, I think it was like delayed by lightning and it was terrible weather. And, you know, so I mean, they had a nice win there. Uh, and I think their quarterback, Lewerke, he he's not a terrible quarterback, he's okay. Um and also my last team uh, I have a comment on USC at number 15 probably overrated Sam Darnold covered up a lot of uh a lot of uh moles a lot of uh bad things on that team I thought and I I don't see you know maybe their new quarterback's going to be good uh, I don't know yet we'll see to quote Grant but uh and and this is a take that Grant has on uh, I'll just kind of spoil a little bit Grant uh, USC's one of Grant's uh national overrated team so I'm kind of stealing that from him because I think he's right about that so uh USC I think is probably overrated at 15 now onto the AP preseason all- American team uh first and second team no sooners on the list that's fine you know we're we're so close to the season now that I'm not I'm not caring that much about these lists honestly you know if it was July I'd probably formulate more thoughts on the matter but we got real football coming in in less than two weeks now so not going to get too bent out of shape about no Sooners being on the AP preseason All-American team. Um, let's just say that I think Rodney Anderson is worthy of being one of the top four running backs in college football. And uh, Bobby Evans, maybe not as much as, as Rodney Anderson, but Bobby Evans is probably one of the top four tackles in college football. But none of them are on the list. Other guys are ahead of them. That's fine. A lot of this, and I think Grant made, makes this point. I can't remember if he makes it in the, uh, the next podcast, or he's probably made it on this podcast before. And it's a, fair, it's a fair take to have. A lot in the national media are putting a lot of stock into, well, Baker Mayfield's gone. A lot of that team was Baker Mayfield. And that's fair, because Baker Mayfield's a great quarterback. He's awesome. Uh, but we have the luxury of watching this team play in every snap. And we know that outside of Baker Mayfield, dudes are talented. And Lincoln Riley's damn talented. And Kyler Murray, Austin Kendall, both those guys are talented too. So even though none of those guys are going to be as good as Mayfield, Oklahoma's offense should be just fine. Should be. All right, fellas, that does it for me today. Uh, make sure you tune in to our next show again, Monday, August 27th, just a few days from now. It's the big West of Everest college football season preview show. Tons of predictions. You won't want to miss it. We're almost there, everybody. Just two more episodes of West of Everest until Oklahoma plays FAU. Hang in there. It's almost time. For Grant, who is enjoying his honeymoon, I'm Lee. This is West of Everest.